Welcome to the Wolverine Digest podcast, the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Breiler. I just want to start by saying go blue. Chris, I don't know about you, but this one show a week thing makes it feel like we're just not doing our job. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it right now still. Just I'll tell you how I feel. I'm, dude, I, I don't know if anybody else out there is struggling with the same thing, but uh, dude, like where where in the fuck is the sun? Like where is the sunshine? I am struggling. Like I know they, you know, they call it seasonal depression, whatever the hell it is, man. All I want to do is like, sleep i've just like not been in a great mood the sun was out for like five minutes earlier today i looked at the extended forecast not even like a you know they kind of show maybe partial sun something in the none of that none of that within the foreseeable future man i'm really questioning uh whether or not moving back to michigan was the right choice yeah i know that is uh every year i mean you know it's coming is your music still playing it gets, is it too long? I mean, it, typically I let it go for a little while. Had, we just like partying? A, had like a minute 45 left on the track, dude. <laughs> Apparently Chris is ready to go. We're going to turn off the music. It's the weather. Ready. It's the weather. It's got me, it's got me in a mood. And then I all the other bullshit it's just got me in a mood, Brandon. I usually don't turn off the, the intro music until we're done with the intro shit. <laughs> and we were we're talking about the sun right now, so I'm thinking, all right, I'll let it ride a little bit. But all right, hey, let's go. Let's get the right absence in. of it. It should be doom and gloom music if we're going to be playing anything. I just, I don't get it, man. It's like yeah. I was talking to my wife about it the other day. Like, you know, people that live in in southern state, you live in Florida all year. You know, you live in some of these other places where it's usually just sunny. I mean, I I can't remember the last time I saw like blue sky and sunshine. Like, this is a tough place to live, man. It's 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 Ain't gloomy it. a lot. And you didn't even get a dose of it in Arizona. I got a little no, bit of a yeah, blast. So I'm saying yeah. I went out to Arizona and it was overcast and rainy. I come home, it's overcast and rainy. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I need some sunshine in my life. I need a little bit of sun. That's what I'm I saying. Lived, I lived in South Carolina for seven or eight years, as you know. And yeah, you, it's yeah, it's different, man. You get used to the uh, sun. And you feel good about it. And I don't know, man. I mean, you know it's coming. Yeah, and what, you know, the daylight savings time, it's dark at 430 just we're coming up on the longest day of the year right for darkness the 21st like, so we got that to look forward to man. man oh man uh well right out of the gate i i gotta switch the audio back real quick real qu quick for chris so he doesn't do the echo oh yeah that'll take me over that'll take me over the edge the echo i don't want it me over the edge i already can see where we're at I'm just, gonna, I'm gonna tread lightly <laughs> and make sure we keep the big fella happy over there. All right, so Ben, before we even launch the show, a couple of donations. We appreciate that, Ben. Yeah. Uh, do we think that, and we're going to get into a lot of Jim Harbaugh talk today, obviously. We've got about five, six, maybe seven topics to cover. So we're, again, it's Wednesday, once a week show. We, we jump on when we need to. It's not quite like a full-blown fan-led, but if you have your questions, absolutely fire them off, and we'll get to them if we can. But when we're only doing a show a week, we stockpile these topics. We got to cover them a little bit, so that's where we're at. But Ben, right out of the gate, a couple donations. Do we think that Jim Harbaugh learned his lesson from his time with Trent Baalke and the Niners and went over Ward Manuel's head? I don't know exactly what you're talking about for sure, but it 
The ward manual absence is is strange. Chris has brought this up to me multiple times. We don't really know. It's part of what we're going to get into when we talk about Harbaugh's return, President Santa Ono's involvement, and Ward Manual. I, I don't. Has anybody I, I, seen him? Is he, in a, is he in a well? Like I don't know I'm where. Saying, where is he? I, honest, I, this is I, I'm I'm not trying to be a dickhead when I say this. Are we even sure he's in Ann Arbor right now? I don't know. Does anybody know his whereabouts? Is he okay? Has anybody checked on Ward lately? Just very sure. strange. This, you know, this stretch of, uh, you know, things that have happened related to the athletic department and the, the, the dude that's tasked with running and overseeing and managing the athletic department is nowhere to be found. It's just strange. Yeah. A little bit MIA. Uh, and then Ben again, all this talk about the last dance, unfinished business. Yeah. Michigan now looking at three years in a row, hopefully of beating Ohio State, winning a Big Ten, going to the playoff. We're, we're going to talk about the future a little bit today, too. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put that juju in the air. That it feels like 07, where the App State stuff and some injuries. And now we're not. We're not gonna go there. But I wanted to throw Ben's things up there because he did give a couple donations before we even started. So appreciate that there, Ben. Um, all right, we'll scroll down and get back to get back to. Um, oh, all right. John Bacon now apparently reporting that Jim and Ward Manuel haven't spoken since May. So that's healthy. Yeah. Uh, it's going well. What the hell, man? All right. So, Chris, let's let's kick it off right at the top. <laughs> Matt Weiss. Uh call it paging Matt Weiss. Uh what are we doing? The, one of the uh the strangest things that I, I mean, talk about something out of left field. You know, you get you get through you know, the just what it's like to have to cover the Jim Harbaugh situation every time this year. It's exhausting, man, because people yeah. want answers. They're looking for answers. You and I aren't insiders. So for the most part, we're trying to do, you know, we're, we're kind of in the same boat. We're, we're in the position of we don't know what the hell is going on, but we can speculate and tell, talk about what we think. And then you get through all of that, which is exhausting. And then you just move right into uh, Matt Weiss being under investigation for just this, you know, it, what what is such a strange uh, strange thing to be under investigation for. And I know that there's a lot of speculation, as is often the case on social media, about what it what it could pertain to. I don't really think it's it's fair to necessarily go into, you know, go into that type of stuff. But at the at the end of the day, it's not good. It's no. never good when you have, you know, police officers and unmarked cars show up and, you know, come knocking on your door and, and you're under investigation and it looks like there may have been a crime committed. And that's a that's according to you know, the report that if you go onto the, the Michigan website where they sort of document all of these calls that come in, you know, that's that's coming from from that side. So it just it just seems like it's one thing after another, man. Like this offseason is just not off to a great start. Not no. off to a great start for the offseason. Can't get out of their own way. Two years in a row of just Wild. phenomenal success on the field. And then you know, Harbaugh flying to Minnesota, Harbaugh interviewing with the Broncos, co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach involved in some form of computer crime. And now and the things are violations, possibly violations. Coming. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, even though he's back, could still very well be suspended for, you know, one or multiple games to start out the season next year. And so, yeah, a lot of shit during this offseason that's come out that just kind of makes you scratch your head and think. You know, it, it 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 is way more difficult than it has to be, and and it's the the shitty part about it is that you know to to your point, it's coming off of so much success on the field that you would just like to see a program be, 
you know, 10 toes down all in and just capitalizing. And instead it's just, you know, you're, you're running against the current swimming against the current because you're dealing with bullshit nonstop. It's, it's exhausting, man. Yeah. And you know, based on all the different reports that are out there, people who have, you know, put information out there on this Matt Weiss situation, it looks like something to do with him accessing emails. He shouldn't have been like, I don't even know what that really means or like why you would do that or what again it's under investigation there's not a ton of detail out there about it right now but matt weiss put out a statement you know saying i'm cooperating i'm going along with it this is going to be my only comment um it's just strange i mean i you know violations you're like damn really oh that sucks like but you know every year there's schools that have to self-report these violations or something happens out on the trail i mean maybe harbaugh gets suspended some games that sucks that's not a good look you're like well okay that that blows but like that's that's program football recruiting related like you see it occasionally it sucks don't do it but okay but then you're like computer crimes from the oc what the hell is happening what is he doing? The, I was laying on the couch last night after you sent me that, and and my wife and I we were watching a show, and I was like, I I had her pause the show, which by the way, Netflix, uh, eighteen ninety nine, phenomenal show. There's only one season of it, which is, it's very disappointing, but it's a total mind trip if if you're into that sort of thing, if you're into like thrillers, edge of your seat sort of, you know, uh, weird, uh, heady type stuff. I would recommend watching it, eighteen ninety nine. But nevertheless, so. We put it on pause. You send me that text, and you're like, "Hey, did you see this white stuff?" And I'm like, "What? What, what happened? Did he take another job? What's the deal?" And that, I, if you would have asked me, like, what are the top 100 things you think you're about to right. see when when you go on and search for it, that that would not have been uh, none of none of my answers would have been computer crimes from that white. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know how. Um, I don't know how you avoid some of this stuff other than just not not being. Uh, not being weird and just doing your damn job and like capitalizing on success. And like I said, as just purely as a, as a fan of the program, it's frustrating. It is a frustrating start to the off season when you feel like Michigan could be doing so much better in all facets, um, given all the success that they've had on, on the football field. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. I, I can't remember. I mean, not at Michigan, certainly, but I don't, I don't even know if I've ever heard of such a thing like computer crimes, a, uh, a football coach under investigation for computer crimes dealing with yeah. unauthorized email access on campus. Like he's doing it in Schembechler Hall. Like what, what is at, going or on? He, or, or was he at home accessing things in Schembechler Hall? That's how I took it was that there was I'm pretty unauthorized... sure they said it took place on cam- like inside the football building. But again, okay. this is where the, there's been yeah. a lot of reports that have come yep. out. We'll wait till the end of this thing. I'd be surprised if Matt Weiss is back. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how serious of a, of a thing this is. I mean, you know, word has, you know, word has been that him and Harbaugh haven't exactly been buddy, buddy for a little bit anyway. At one point they were like, he was one of Harbaugh's yeah. kind of right hand men when it came to the Minnesota job search stuff last year. But since then there's been a little falling out. He's weird kind of in general, like I, that I'm not taking a shot, but he's just, he, you know, he doesn't ooze charisma like some of the other assistant coaches do, and he's not a good recruiter. So, like, I don't know. Maybe this is a – I was somebody texted me and was like, you know, this is really weird, bad look for the program, sucks for momentum, but is this, like, addition by subtraction? Kind well, of? I, maybe. I was going to say, 
I, I, don't I know. know that you, the both of us, have not been, and, and a lot of fans out there haven't been a big fan of this co-OC, yeah. triple OC. If you, if you throw Harbaugh yeah. into it, and so getting one less cook out of the kitchen, I, I, I certainly don't see a problem with it. But I do remember, you know, talking with some of the players about it, like JJ McCarthy specifically had said that you know Matt Weiss is one of the you know brightest minds, uh, called him a genius. I think, you know, when we did that interview with him last year, you know, there's there's some guys that think pretty highly of him and, and what he brings to the table. But yeah, I, I think from our standpoint, um, if Matt Weiss isn't back, and it's nothing personal against him, but again, it's just I I don't feel like the right move is to have multiple offensive coordinators. And so if he's not in the fold, then I don't know how huge of a loss it is. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So that's the, the Matt Weiss situation. Just weird. I don't know how long there's a full resolution or what exactly is going to happen, but it's strange. There, there's really no other way to, to categorize mm -hmm. it on the, uh, on the Harbaugh front. Um, apparently he's back. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> now go easy. Brandon. No, 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 no. I'm not because even in his statement about like being back, it still kind of sucked. Like, <laughs> my heart's at Michigan. Don't out happy happy. All right. Can you just say, I'm the freaking coach for the team next season? Even still, it's not like... Well, he told Ono that, apparently, and Ono conveyed that. Oh, I mean, that's great. That's not as solid of a statement as you're going to get from him is great. through somebody else who heard and apparently he apparently via adam schefter he told the broncos i'm out yeah. which it, i just dude i just can't help but think of like the movie life martin lawrence eddie murphy martin lawrence tries to appeal to get himself out of prison the appeal falls through so then he, he at that point then he wants to work with eddie murphy to try to escape he's like so what do you got you got a plan for us do you think we can do it and eddie murphy's like we Get some bad news in that letter back there, motherfucker. Cause like all of a sudden, now, now you want to be my you want to be my partner in this thing. I just well, feel like Harbaugh got word. Job's not like all right, here's what I'm gonna throw it up. I don't care. People are I don't care. I don't care. This is two years in a row. He has lied about it at this point. This is I'm done. I'm not doing it again. Well, you did it again. That's what it is, Chris. That's what it is. <laughs> that's not fair. That's no, fair. That's not that is fair. It's Listen, completely it's, fair. Well, okay, it's uh, it's fair. Listen, it's fair to speculate that that maybe that was the reason. But here's what I'll say. I given Ward's lack of involvement in all of this and and when you look at, you know, the statements, the multiple statements as weird as they may be, as vague as they may be that Harbaugh has put out, the multiple statements that President Ono has put out, you know, not once has Harbaugh mentioned Ward Manual. Yeah. And and Ono has only mentioned Ward Manual in the sense that I've communicated to Ward what's happening, as if Ward hasn't been a part of these things. And so that, based on the many reports that came out, just like what you know, we just heard uh, John U. Bacon um, apparently reported, there, there is some issue there between Jim Harbaugh and Ward Manual. And I feel like if Jim was trying to drive the point home, it was like, look, I'm, I'm going to go and do this until we can get something figured out with this guy because I can't work with this guy. I can't get what I need from this guy. And if Ward Manuel has served as a roadblock and Ono has come in and sort of paved the way and allowed Harbaugh to go around him, then, you know, I don't, I hate buying into the idea that 
the NFL was leveraged because I do think there's legitimate interest from Jim Harbaugh in returning. Yeah. But if you can't get what you want from the athletic director, that's a big problem. And I and I think if not for Ono being in the position he's in, Jim Harbaugh probably isn't making that call to Denver saying I'm I'm not, you know, I'm not interested. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to pursue this. I think there's probably a very real chance that Michigan loses Harbaugh to the NFL. Is that because he doesn't have interest in the NFL? No, I wouldn't say that. But I mean, my goodness, like there's clearly an issue, right? Like I'm not reading too much into that. There is an issue between Jim Harbaugh and the athletic director, and that's a big deal, especially when the president has to come in and close the deal and facilitate all the things that should be, you know, should be done by the athletic director. It's weird. I, I will say I was pretty wrong too. I didn't I did not think that Santa Ono was going to be this involved with whatever's going on. Extremely with involved. I, I didn't. I, I just I didn't. I didn't think that was what his his focus was going to be. Um and I was wrong. I mean he he was clearly involved. He put out multiple yeah. you know multiple statements on Twitter. He's been on the phone with him. He's been doing this. He's been doing that. So so that part that yes that part is strange that it's him doing all the things that you would expect Ward Manuel to be doing for whatever reason he's not. And back to the whole like not speaking since May. I wonder on like what level that is because they sat next to each other during the Michigan State thing and like we're up there talking like so I'm not, you know, I, I I'm not questioning Bacon. The dude knows what he's talking about. Maybe he was a little more could have been a little more specific about maybe it's like contract talks or like behind yeah. closed doors meeting type of talks. But like Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh sat shoulder to shoulder next to each other after the tunnel incident against Michigan State and took questions and I'm sure communicated a little bit. But what semantics, that's a small detailed type of thing. But yeah, the whole approach, how the president seems to be the one negotiating things when like, geez, man, like, like he doesn't have other things to do when it should be the sole job of the athletic director and whether you're a ward fan or not. And I'm really not, I'm kind of like indifferent on ward manual. I think he's done some good. He's, he's boned some things like his absence is weird at times. And like, I don't really know <laughs> what he's doing. I just, it's strange, but to not put out a single statement. It's weird. Anything, dude. It is on anything is, is weird. I mean, even if it's a short, you know, one sentence, I'm aware of X, Y, and Z, or here's where I stand on this. To not say anything publicly and to be in that position is just, it's strange. And I, and I saw somebody bring it up. No, I'm not, I, I'm not positive that um, President Ono closed any deal because to my knowledge, nothing has been signed yet. There's the, you know, the, the tweets that have come out that said Jim Harbaugh has expressed that he wants to be back and reportedly, you know, Harbaugh has said he's not interested in these NFL positions. But to my knowledge, not an insider, there's no deal that's been signed at this point. And so, well, and you I, know, I, I think I think part of that is the NCAA violation thing that's kind of looming. Like I, I I've read, I don't know if it's like officially against the rules, but like you can't give a guy a new contract when there's like violations hanging over his head and you don't know what they're going for a to hamburger, do Brandon. For a hamburger, well, yeah, that's all it was. It was one burger, um, <laughs> one cheeseburger, and uh, that's it. Um, no, but I, I just think that's. It, it might be an official rule. Like maybe you actually can't enter into negotiations with something pending from the NCAA. I, I don't know, but whatever. Yeah. I think that's a big part of the reason why there's a little bit of a hangup right now. At the end of the day, I don't think it ultimately matters that much. Even if Jim Harbaugh gets like drilled with like a six game suspension, he's still going to sign a deal. 
he's still going to get a contract extension and it's going to be lucrative and it should so be you, the two so year the two year run has been incredible and going back to your original original talking point so you legitimately don't think if if Jim Harbaugh had continued to pursue NFL opportunities that he would have had a shot at taking them or at, or at getting getting whatever position whether it be with Denver whether it be with Indianapolis you know any of these other jobs you think it was it was strictly a matter of those offers just weren't coming I think that's what it's been for three years now. Definitely yeah. wasn't getting any after two and four, even though it was pretty clear he was fed up with a lot of things and wanted to leave. Last year, went to go to Minnesota and take the job. They kind of pulled the rug out from under him and said, oh, I guess I'll come back now. Had a great run. Was incredible. And now I think, again, was out there. And we heard it was it was from Harbaugh's end, reaching out to teams to find out. It wasn't the other way. Yeah. And I saw people in the comments the NFL is, dude, they're hiring coaches younger than you and me now, Chris. 34, 35, 36-year-old dudes running NFL teams who are offensive-minded, who are new school. I mean, it, that's just the way that things are moving. It seems like every guy who's kind of, and I'm not I'm not saying like, I'm trying to think of an example, like a Lovey Smith, whatever. Like he's, Harbaugh's a far better coach than him. But I'm saying that's a dude pushing 60. He's been in the NFL before. It's like one and done, dude. Like these guys yeah. get a job. If they're no good, get them the hell out of here. We'll go find somebody else. It's these younger guys, you know, the, the McConnell at Minnesota, who just had a really nice run is his thirties. McDaniel down there in, in, in Miami, another young guy, McVay, a lot of Irish dudes. Anyway, these young guys, these, this is the way that the league is moving. So I, I just, I mean, there's, there has been no report ever since any of this has happened about Jim Harbaugh having an acceptable, committable offer from from an NFL team, right? Yeah, I mean, like it's pretty clear. Yeah. No, no, there there hasn't been. I just, I guess, you know, and again, speculating, but I feel like if he had continued to pursue it strongly, I don't know that he would have gotten an offer with with a team that he wanted. But I do think he had a legitimate shot at getting that. But I think all of these other things. The NCA violations, the issues with Ward that you know are, are couldn't be more apparent. I think certainly played a role in him, you know, having either personally or his people reach out to other teams and sort of get this thing going as a way to say, "Look, I'm 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 prepared to make this move if we can't get it figured out here." I mean, this is the longest he's ever been anywhere. He's entering his ninth season, right? Yeah. head coach. So I do. I think he wants to be here. I think he wants to be the coach at the University of Michigan. But I think there's some things that he wants fixed. And I think a lot of that probably has to do with Ward's um, lack of involvement or lack of movement on certain topics, certain issues that would certainly help the Michigan football program overall, whether it be NIL, whether it be recruiting, you know, things you're able to do from recruiting transfers, things like that. I think he just wants certain things that he's not getting. This is, this is a, this is, I don't disagree with what you're saying, Chris. And I think maybe this is where a lot of people have had issue with what I've said in the past. Maybe I haven't articulated articulated it well enough. I firmly believe Jim, like if he made a pro and con list of I want an NFL job, I want a Michigan job. I think there could be like 50 pros on both lists. And that like, like I think yeah. he's perfectly happy and content and fine with being at Michigan. But I think he also really wants to go back and try it again in the NFL. I don't think those things have to exist separately. I think he can want both and have it be Correct. a really tough freaking you know, decision. If he were to get a lucrative, signable three or four or five year deal from the Denver Broncos and that's sitting right there, and he's also got a fat extension from Michigan with some new promises, a bigger pool for his assist, and they're both right there to sign, 
Yeah. I think that's a really hard decision for him to make. And I don't know which one he would have picked. And that that's like I well, said, I maybe I haven't explained proves your point. I think last right. year proves your point. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't take that flight to Minnesota just as a negotiation tactic. I think there was legit. Well, here's the thing. We know that's not what it was because Jim Harbaugh himself specifically said that he had interest in an NFL return. The itch. You know, so, so again, there is a certain segment of the fan base that will have convinced themselves and will never believe otherwise that all of this is just an act to get, you know, more leverage at the University of Michigan. But no, there's absolutely no doubt that from his side, come, you know, from his own mouth, he has interest in an NFL return. I just think the preference is to remain at Michigan. But there are things here that, you know, make the job difficult, whether it's academics, whether it's, you know, an, an athletic director who's MIA, who's not all in on NIL, who doesn't want to, you know, play some of the games that some of these other power five programs are willing to play. And Michigan's right there on the cusp of being able to compete with them for national championships here the last two years. And so if you could get that final push, if you could get some of those things that you want from an athletic director, I mean, is for as good as uh, of a position this program is in right now, the fact that it could be even better if you had an athletic director that wanted to wiggle a little bit and give a little bit that, you know, that, that probably chaps your ass a little bit if you're Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just been, it's been what you don't want. I mean, like, I don't think that's just kind of the way to put a, put a, put it in a nice big box. Like everything that's happened over the last two right. seasons during the off season, January, even into February, a little bit last year is what you don't want after the seasons you've had, whether it's Ward very Manuel. dysfunctional, man, just very yeah. dysfunctional. So last year, you know, and this year you got Ward Manuel doing whatever he's doing. And Schlissel was oh, what the hell, who knows? And now, you, now Ono's uh, got to be involved. It's just been, it's been all over the map and it shouldn't have been, there should have been a lot more positives instead of all of this uncertainty and negative and, I, I mean, do know. you think do you think Ward Manuel's a dead man walking right now, or do you think he's going to be? Know. The I really, director? I just, uh, it's weird to me. I don't know how he can be this silent, be clearly absent from every single statement that Jim Harbaugh has put out. Now, again, there are more sports than just the football program yeah. that, that are included in the athletic department, but this seems well, seems odd. But a lot of them exist because of football, and Ward knows that, Correct. and the university knows that, and a lot of what the whole school gets to do is because of what happens on fall Saturdays. So, like, yeah. it is really important. It's not Ward's only concern. It's not President Ono's only concern at all. That's for damn but, sure. But they're both involved in it because they, they understand the cash cow that is Michigan football. Like, it is what it is. I don't know. I don't know how to answer the Ward manual question. For one, I'm going to be completely honest. I just don't really care. I really don't care. Like, yeah, yeah, no. Bring in an AD. I don't care who it is. Like, unless no. I really don't. Unless it's like, I, I, no, I don't. I was gonna say, I don't care. I, I just really don't care who it is, and that's part of the reason I haven't. I haven't put a lot of emphasis or energy or attention into learning about Ward Manuel as an athletic director, what he's done, what he hasn't done, but the the sheer fact of just being gone for all of this is just bizarre. I mean, that on the surface looks yeah. weird. I saw somebody in the comments say, when you've got your president coming out on social media, like talking about your football coach coming back because of phone calls he's having with him. It's like, wait a minute. Don't we have a guy that's supposed to do that? Like, and then, and then, and then also saying that he relayed the message to the athletic yeah. director. As if, like, why weren't, why wasn't Ward on that call? You know, it's, that's weird. It's weird. Tell Ward 
That, like, you know, like you see that in like movies where people are in the same room, but they won't talk to each other. It's like, tell, they have a middleman. Like, seems very strange. All right. Well, it's Steve, clear that Ward's not in the room. That's clear. Steve Deese burner account. Really appreciate that. Love the username. So far, it looks like Ward Manuel's not doing his job to the level that he should be. I could probably get on board with that. From the surface, it certainly looks and feels like that. Now, like Chris said, I don't know what he's doing day to day you know, minute by minute in his office behind closed doors, who he's on the phone with, who I don't, I don't know, but out in the forefront in the public eye, he's, he's falling short. I feel comfortable saying yeah. that. Yeah. What's best for Michigan over his own personal views, issues with Harbaugh, whatever they may be. Maybe they're not even there. Maybe it just looks like it. It's perceived that way. I don't know. But if Bacon's coming out and saying they haven't talked in damn near a year, like what the hell's going on? Yeah, well, Ward that, might I mean, need yeah, to go. I don't see, yeah, you know, so I'm speaking on the sideline during the course of the season. I think at the Indiana game, they were they were standing there having a conversation. I mean, you know, Ward is that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, he's present at the football games. I've seen you know, um, Harbaugh and Ward talking on the sideline, so it's not like they're they're not communicating at all. But again, when you have when you have Jim Harbaugh, who's a guy who doesn't really put out that many statements anyway, putting out multiple statements, and then you have the university president putting out multiple statements, one of which includes Jim Harbaugh told me X, Y, and Z, and then I communicated that to the athletic director. Listen, that is a terrible look if you're the athletic director. Let me ask you this. Again, I'm not a staunch Ward Manual supporter. I'm not. I'm just trying to look you at love this Ward. thing. Just say angles. it. You love Ward Manual. Listen. What did Jim Harbaugh say to him last year, Chris? Well, there you go. Yeah, that you it wasn't going to happen. Again. You think, you think he's Ward, pumped about think, what's going on? You think his ass was chapped a little bit? You think Ward was feeling a little bit? You know what? Like, fuck this. I'm not. I'm not dealing with it. Uh, Santa, you want to deal with it? Listen. You deal with it. I'm not touching this. He would not be the first person to react that way to one Jim Harbaugh. That's, I mean, you, it's a pretty long you know track what? record of dudes who are, who are signing up for that club. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Ward felt that way, then he should just come out and say it. And that this is where I take issue is there's such a I don't think you get many people doing that in that position. But I mean, I, you know I, what? But at this point, can he look any worse? I mean, look at well, look at the how he's perceived at this point. He's perceived as the roadblock to Jim Harbaugh returning and that he's been MIA while all this has been going on. Now he doesn't have to come out and be harsh in his statement, but he hasn't his voice, there, there's three main components to this. Ward Manuel, Santa Ono, and Jim Harbaugh. And there's only one guy who's yet to say a damn thing publicly, and that's Ward Manuel. And so people are drawing their own conclusions. And, you know, I, I do think you make a fair point. If, you know, Jim Harbaugh is entering the second year of a five-year deal that he just signed last year. And when he came back last year, we all know what he said. We, you know, we've beat that dead horse. And so if Ward was feeling some kind of way about it, Hell, I was feeling some kind of way about it. I specifically said, like, are we really doing this again? Because if we are, just fire his ass and let's move on. Yeah. You know, and then that was that was my position. And it wasn't until I started to hear more things come out about how, well, you know, maybe Ward is the issue here. I don't know. I just I again, it's weird that he's had nothing to say. There's a lot that's happened with the program, you know, over the last what 17 days. I mean, think, dude, it hasn't even been that long since the last game. We're talking like three weeks. A lot has happened, and he hasn't had a damn thing to say about it publicly. I just find it strange. It's like, how how many days has it been? Seventeen, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it like, it's, it's what January, it was what, December thirty first, and it's only the eighteenth. Right. Yeah, it's been yeah. not even three weeks. 
feel so like we've I mean, been doing. I feel like we've been doing this for six months. It's, it's wild, man. You got the Matt Weiss thing. You've got the Harbaugh NFL thing. You've got the NCA violations. You got a lot of shit that an athletic director could come out and just say something about, and he said nothing. Yeah, and it's just wild to me. It's like how you see those before and after pictures, like when a president enters office and then four years later they look 90. They're like, oh, they're just downtrodden and look like a dead, emaciated dead body sitting in the old oh. office. Like, fuck this. It can't That's happen again, right? Surely we won't be here this time next year having these same conversations. I think we might be, and don't call me Shirley, Chris. All There's right, no next. Way. There's no, there is no way this happens again. No way. It can't. It won't. I'm telling you, it can't, and it won't. It's you're speaking as if you're talking about a normal human. <laughs> I just can't, dude. I can't. My, I'll lose my. Uh, I'll go insane. I will. You know what I'll do? I'll just take my laptop and I'll close just it. Close her down. Whenever it's a goddamn decision, then I'll open it back up and I'll talk about it. But until then, I'm not participating in any of it. It is exhausting. It is exhausting. All right. Well, let's move on to the next topic. I'm sure this is the last time we'll be talking about this. So, yeah, we could probably take a break on it a little bit right now. But, Chris, you found you brought this to my attention. I don't know. I think it was an interview that Donovan Edwards did with a newspaper. Was it well, a newspaper? M Live? Well, I, I think he talked. Yeah. I, I think it might have been with M Live. I'm not really sure um, exactly who it was with. I just remember reading it. But, but Donovan Edwards, Colson Loveland, and Will Johnson took part in a like a football camp over the weekend. They were, they were hosts hosting a camp. I think it was somewhere in Auburn Hills. And there were, there were, you know, a couple of quotes that came out from Donovan Edwards that I just quite frankly, I, I thought were interesting. And then you and I talked about it a little bit and, you know, I, I want to be careful in how we address this because by no means am I saying that there's an issue between, you know, Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum or that there's any sort of problem there, whatever the case is. But that being said, you know, when Blake Corum announced that he was coming back for another year, at the very least, that cut Donovan Edwards' production in half in 2023. By I would I would say at more, least, but you're right. Yes. At least 50% cut boom right there. And I'm just gonna read, let me read a couple of the quotes that came out, and then we can we can talk about it a little bit. And so Donovan Edwards talking about Blake Corum's return, he said, quote I'm excited for him, but at the same time, it has its positives and negatives. I wanted to see him go to the NFL. I didn't want him having another 250-plus carries on his body. That's putting stuff on him. I don't want to see that. I want to see him go get paid. He also said, it's no reason I shouldn't be on the field. No reason I shouldn't be getting playing time. The, dynam the dynamic player that I am, the coaches know how versatile I am. The world might not know just yet but I've been showing it. And so it sounds to me like I don't doubt that those guys are boys and I don't doubt that you know, the, the brotherhood is going to be there and that they're going to be able to coexist. But there is certainly an element to Blake Corm's return that I think, you know, Donovan Edwards is coming out and saying like, look, I'm that guy too. And I need to be on the field. And there's no reason why I shouldn't be on the field. And so I think he even alluded to, I think the carries need to be a little more even this year. I think they will be more. I think they're going to find a way to get me more involved I just thought it was interesting because we talk about all the depth that Michigan has at several positions. And traditionally, that's a good thing to have. But in today's college football, having depth 
having multiple starters at several positions almost feels like a catch 22 because if you're a guy who feels like man I I could be you know RB1 or I could be the starting tackle somewhere I could be this or I could be that the portal's just sitting right there available and ready and so having a bunch of depth can almost work against you I don't know that that's going to happen in this case I don't think it will but it was interesting to see that from Donovan Edwards' perspective. We were all excited, like, yes, Blake Corum's back. Like, Jesus, this Michigan team's going to be solid. And if you're Donovan Edwards, you're probably like, "There's there had to have been a part of him that was like, fuck. Yeah, you know, so I, I was going to be the dude. When we were talking about this, I said, dude, they can be best friends in the world. He can want, and he said it, you know, I, I wanted Blake to go pro because he's good enough to go pro and he's about to get paid. Yeah. And now he's going to come back. He's going to get beat up and knock on wood. God, you hope he stays healthy. I mean, obviously he got hurt this year. You don't want that again for your guy. And that's all I, I believe Donovan Edwards means all of that when he says it, but and he, they, they could be the best friends in the world. But in an instant, the second Blake Corum announced that he's coming back, Donovan Edwards vision of his junior year at Michigan changed dramatically. It's a no completely doubt. different look, completely different mindset, completely different approach and preparation, a completely different uh, you know, set of goals for yourself. I mean, everything, everything from top to bottom, from practice reps to what you're putting on film to what coach is going to be able to tell NFL scouts, every single thing about his junior year is now different. And, and that's, it, it, that's a lot. Just to add to that, in, in that same interview or in that same set of interviews where he was talking to, to, to members of the media, he, you know, you talk about people not being transparent or they're not sure about what they're going to do. He, he said very specifically, look, my plan is to go pro after next year. That's what my plan is. I am going pro after next year. And so if that's his mindset, like, of course he wants to get as many reps on the field as he possibly can. And yeah, you're right. It, it, like, like I said, when we first started off in an instant in that decision that, you know, Corm was coming back, probably his vision of what he thought his junior season exactly. was going to look like versus what, because there's no question who, who running back number one is it's Blake Corm, and it's going to be Blake Corm unless Blake Corm gets injured again in a similar set of circumstances. But I do think there's got to be a way you know, and, and and let's be fair, Donovan Edwards was also injured for a good portion of the season last year as well. And so that limited, you know, his production quite a bit. But if both of those guys are healthy, you have got to find a way to get both involved. And 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 I, I think they will. I think they will. I just thought it was an interesting, you know, to hear Donovan Edwards speak so candidly and honestly about his thoughts and feelings. And here's where I stand on it. Here's how I feel about it. Here's what my intentions are after next year. I just found it to be refreshing, but I also found it to be interesting. I started thinking about, you know, we, we were gushing over the depth and we'll probably talk about it later in the show, how deep Michigan is at several positions and just wondering if at this point in college football, if that almost works against you in a big way. It's, it's, it's gotta be balanced way differently than it did even five years ago. There's no question yeah. about that. CJ Frazier, I love the point and you can, you can find other examples in the NFL and around the, around college football where you, you just get guys on the field and you find ways to get them the ball. Look, the San Francisco 49ers have a plethora of offensive weapons and they make it work. They make it work with George Kittle and they make it work with Christian McCaffrey and they make it work with Debo Samuel. And they make it work with Elijah Mitchell. They've got a lot of guys that they have to feed and how, and somehow they've been able to get them all involved and they all seem happy and they're all making plays. Didn't even mention Brandon Ayuk and some of the other receivers on the outside. Like that would be a good blueprint to look at. How are they using a guy like 
Debo Samuel, who's listed as a wide receiver, but takes handoffs out of the backfield. He takes jet screens. He takes bubble screens. He takes little push passes. Like you do all of those things with guys who can make plays. Donovan Edwards can make plays. We all saw it. He's got to be on the field a lot. And, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting discussion for him to have now, actually in the long run, it may end up being a good thing. Cause you might save 200 carries or something from his body and yeah. NFL teams Absolutely. Look at that. They look at how much tread you've got left on the tires. How much, you know, what was your workload like in college? And honestly, Donovan Edwards workload hasn't been very much yet. Right. I mean, he, he right. was used sparingly as a freshman. He was hurt and dinged up a little bit this last year as a sophomore, and then obviously stepped up when Blake Corum went down. And now he's coming back and going to share the backfield again with Blake Corum. So I, I don't know, man. It is, it is, a, it is a bit of a catch twenty-two. You want to stockpile as much talent as humanly possible, with the caveat of knowing that at the drop of a hat they can leave and go somewhere else because they want to play more. And so, yeah. th- that's that's what makes it difficult about managing a, a college football roster nowadays. And I honestly think Jim Harbaugh has done that as good as anybody in the country. And that's part of what we're going to get into in these next two position groups. Anyway, as we look at a, like a, a little bit of a preview for, for 2023. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, there's only one ball. There's only one ball. I mean, Look, we know they're going to run it a ton. I mean, you could give each of them 20 carries right. a game next year, and it's not going to be all that different from what they've done the last two seasons. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. I still think there's going to be enough to go around for both of them, but you can't help but feel what Donovan Edwards is feeling. And I don't I don't know. Do you think he delivered the message he was trying to deliver? Like, I mean, we're, we're kind of playing a, a hypothetical game here, but do you think he said – what he meant to say and how he meant to say it? Or do you think he's like a little more myth than maybe he's leading on? I don't know. I find it. Donovan's a good dude. Blake's a good dude. They both work. They both are all about the team, but like running backs, a position you gotta, you gotta get the rock, man. You have to. In much the same way that the, the Harbaugh situation, that two things can be true at the same time. That's how I feel about what Donovan Edwards said. I, I, I truly think that, you know him and Blake have a great relationship, and that you know that that the 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 thing that they were pushing last year. I mean, I I think that there is a part of him that's excited about, and and he did go on to say that you know not having Blake is probably why they didn't win the national championship. Like he was an important piece. Like we needed Blake Corum, so I, I do think that he's excited to have him back and excited to be able to you know to be able to go at it again together. But you can't you know we're all human beings, and we all you know being in that position, you can't tell me that he wouldn't prefer to be the guy who's getting the bulk of the carries and be the starting running back. And that's just not going to be the case in 2023. Again, unless another injury occurs, that's Blake Corum's starting job until, you know, until somebody says otherwise. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm again, two things can be true. I think he's excited about, having Blake back, but I think there's a part of him that was like, damn, well, that's not going to go the way I thought it was going <laughs> to, yeah. especially if he's, you know, fully intent on going pro after next year. Burner account back in the house. I, I I agree. I think Donovan Edwards can be can be deployed and used in many many ways. You can split carries. You know if it's if it's an even split or if it's like a two thirds type of thing. You know, for every fifteen Blake Corum carries, you got ten Donovan Edwards carries, and then Donovan oh. also gets targeted six or you know. I mean, five you, or six it, times. And I get that this isn't going to happen, but an ideal scenario is look at what they did against Penn State. 
I don't remember what yeah. the carry load was, but both guys were north of 150 yards rushing. Both guys had over 15 carries, I believe. And so, yeah, given given the way the the Michigan offense is built, you got you know we're, we're going to talk about the offensive line a little bit, but it looks like that old line is going to be extremely solid. They're going to have two very good backs in the backfield. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan's running it 45, 50 times on average. And if you split those carries between the two, that gives each of those guys plenty of opportunity to to showcase what they're able to do in, in this Michigan offense. Yeah, and just, again, the next two topics we're going to talk about are kind of opposite sides of the coin when it comes to what we're speaking about, the depth. The depth on yeah. this roster, the depth on this team. Oh, Chris, I was going to ask: Do we need to? Are we doing sponsorship stuff? We're in a new calendar year now. Do we need to give some love no. to the homies out there? What are we doing? No, with that? we are, we are, we are done until okay. Until otherwise, yeah, we are. We're we're flying free here, Brandon. So to put a bow on that a little bit, though, because I do feel like just ignoring it all together. I mean, we've done it all year. You guys know who they are. We've got Rich and Mediascapes. We've yeah. got Wolverine State Brewing Company. I'm repping the shirt right here. Uh, we had the Army National Guard, Michigan branch over in Grand Ledge. Chris, if you could maybe rattle off some of the other ones that were more like a one-off, or we had like a couple week-long ones, if you can remember. It oh, was like geez. a dance studio, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember what the name of the. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I'm putting I mean, you on the spot. Was, I apologize yeah. here, but I, I just prick. wanted to. I know, <laughs> but I wanted like we're getting ready to move into another segment. We're 45 Vibe minutes. Well, I well was one. It was Vibe well, so it was a health, you know, health drinks, health food, health lifestyle. Um, and then I can't remember the exact name of what the dance studio was, but yeah, we had a couple of, couple of sponsors come in and help out, uh, help fund with some of those tailgates. Cause man, those tailgates were expensive. Yeah. Uh, still plan on doing a couple of those for the upcoming year. It's probably going to look a little bit different, um, do fewer tailgates, but the ones we do on a, on a bigger scale, but yeah, man, we were able, we were fortunate this year to partner with a lot of, uh, just a lot of great groups, man. And, and, and media escapes is one of those. I know we'll talk about it later in the show, but you know, the interview that I did with, uh, with Mozzie over the weekend, man, like you walk into the room and it was like, I don't know, it was like a dateline or something like that was like <laughs> set up with like all of the camera equipment that rich had. It was just incredible. You know, it's, we're very fortunate, no doubt. Very, very fortunate. And, and I'm, I'm certain we will continue to work with some of them on, you know, potentially yeah. different projects and maybe different levels. And obviously some of the stuff we did in 2022, we're, we're not going to need to do again in 2023 either. So right. like there's, there's some natural things that will change. Um, but yeah, just, it's been really fun. And I mean, we've made, we've made friends too. Like we're not going to stop talking to rich. We're not going to stop talking to Jerry yeah. Johnson. We're not going to stop talking to Nate and everybody at Wolverine state brewing company, even if some of those things do change a little bit. So shout out to all of them. We are into 2023. If they pop back up and they feel like, continuing this journey with us we will let you know but everything that we've done with them has been on the up and up and we would strongly encourage you guys to do the same thing with the you know the people that we've been mentioning all year long so so there you no, go no. so now it's just now it's just a couple of dinks dude we got no interruptions no sponsorships no to throw up there yeah nothing dude just, just us right now just a couple we'll of dinks all right faces chris i'm getting ready to put together an article about this um yep. The cornerback position, DB, defensive back, corner, opposite Will Johnson. Number two, Will Johnson might be an All-American next year. He's a sophomore. He's never coming off the field. Kid's a stud. Probably only got him for three years at Michigan, going to play in the league. He's the real deal. You put up, or you were going to put up, I know you talked about it, one of the highest graded corners in the country, period. 
and I think was one of the highest rated players in the country as a freshman per yes. pro football focus. So like yep. the kid's the real deal. Everybody saw it. We all know it. Cool. Opposite Will Johnson, however, with Jamon Green leaving, with DJ Turner leaving, with guys that are, you know, kind of in the air a little bit when it comes to their position versatility. I find it very interesting to, to have a discussion about what that position looks like and who might end up being the guy opposite Will Johnson. So I want to throw a couple names out and we'll just wrap back and forth about what we might think and who we might end up seeing over there. Yeah. Going in order by Jersey number, number one, dude, the one it's drippy Jade McBurrows. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's probably known more now for getting jumped in the tunnel by a bunch of Spartan yeah. idiots yeah. than he is his plays dealt with some injuries, but back when he was a true freshman, he was getting some talk about being very physical, very fast, pretty sticky in coverage. And now we're all kind of waiting to see, could, could it be a chance for Jaden McBurrows to jump up at 5'11", 206 pounds? I mean, the dude's put together, built differently than some of the other corners on the team. Could it be a shot for him to step in over there? I mean, I, I think as it stands right now, it's probably the most sure bet as sure as you can get given what they have on the other side. Um, but, you know, we talked about this earlier is that, you know, people can think and say and feel how, whatever they want about Jamon green and, and, and what, you know, what he brought to the table, but having that experience return, I just felt like opposite of Will Johnson, like Michigan would have been in, in a great spot. And when you look around at the roster and the depth that they have, the corner position is a bit concerning. And, and as it stands right now, it looks like, Looks like McBurrows might be the next, the first guy opposite of Will Johnson to take that starting spot. Yep. Shane Johnson, real quick, we'll throw that up there. The Don's demeanor was odd talking about Blake Corn. I don't know if I'd say odd. I think he was just kind of letting it flow, man. I mean, like Donovan Edwards is kind of like that. He just got, he doesn't have so a honestly, great. He just he is not interested in um, doesn't have a great filter, and I love it. I'm, I'm right, all that, for that's it. What I'm saying he's not. He he is probably the exact opposite of what Jim Harbaugh is when it comes yes. to like saying like if whatever Donovan Edwards feels in that moment in time, he's just going to say whatever he feels and that's the way it is. And that's one of the things that I absolutely love about him. And so I don't think it was, I don't think it was a negative. I think, you know, sometimes people, they don't know how to, they don't know how to take it when they're talking to a straight shooter and somebody who's yeah. just saying, you know, saying what they feel because that's so rare in today's world. And I respect him for it, man. And, and, and I think a lot of what he said was real and, you know, he wants to touch the ball more. He feels like he's gifted. He feels like he should be out there. And I, you're not going to find a Michigan fan, uh, at least in this fan base, that's going to disagree. And Shane, I don't disagree with maybe getting just a tad stronger. I mean, he is still a young back. Um, you know, Blake Corum added 15 pounds, I think, from his sophomore to junior year. I think you could yeah. see some of that from Donovan Edwards. He could add a little bit more to the core and a little bit more to the lower body. He, like... He took some hits this year that I'm like, I've never seen Blake Corum get hit like that. You know, yeah. like he he's well, he's a little he runs a little more upright. He's a little more stretched out. So it's a different body type, different running style. But yeah, he could he could benefit from a little bit more muscle and a little more weight, just like every single college football player could from year one to two to three. I mean, like that's no, no. what happens. And I, I so I think that's fair. It's I don't think where he's at right now is holding him back, but I think he could be better with a little bit more weight and a little more power. So, yeah, we'll see what that ends up looking like. Um, All right. 
Moving past Jaden McBurrows, you've got Keon Sab, number three, listed as a DB on Michigan's roster. Again, Michigan doesn't differentiate between cornerback, nickelback, free safety, strong safety. They all just say DB, so that makes it a little tricky. Keon Sab was a very highly rated safety coming out of IMG Academy High School, but he's been getting some run at cornerback, super talented, super athletic, was wanted by everybody in coming out of high school. We just haven't seen him play. I don't. I mean, I don't know yeah. how much you can really break down what he is as a player, other than looking at what he was thought of as a recruit and kind of what he might be, you know, now at six foot one, two hundred and eight pounds at Michigan. I think that's where I'm at with a lot of these guys because yeah, it is. You know, we we just haven't seen him play. I mean, he was he was what a four star recruit coming out of high yep. school. I know that he was recruited by a lot of Power Five programs. Um, but just didn't really get any run his freshman year. Might have played a little bit on special teams, but that's about it. Um, so I think at this point, getting beyond McBurrows, you know, you're you're in crapshoot territory, especially if we're going in numerical order here and you're about to say <laughs> number four. <laughs> I mean, we might as well uh, with with Keon Sab, talented, has the ability to do it, but again, haven't really seen anything at the collegiate level yet that would lead me to believe, like, oh yeah, he's he's gonna be the guy opposite Will Johnson. You let the cat out of the bag a little, Chris. I'm going to let yes, it slide. I yes, I but did. I'm going to stick with just the DBs for now and come back to the, to the guy. That okay. Okay. Yeah, All because, right. Because that one's just as intriguing as any of the other ones. Yeah. Number 12, Cody Jones. Uh, look To me, looks like the next nickel guy. I could be wrong on that, but he's built just like Mike Sainer still. 5'11", buck 93, really good short space quickness. I don't know if I'd want him guarding 6'4 outside receivers like Quentin Johnston or some of these guys that we saw for TCU. But again, a guy we haven't seen a lot of was another pretty highly rec recruited kid out of Tennessee. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table, but he's built more like a traditional corner or nickelback than maybe a McBurrows or maybe number four, who you mentioned a minute ago, which we will, we, we will get to one yeah. Omari and Walker in a moment. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a little bit on the shorter side. Again, you know, you, you're not going to want him, you know, out uh, out covering, you know, the, the, the whoever the opposing team is. They're they're big wide receiver targets necessarily, but I mean, it's good, dude. It, it, I'm going to give you the same answer for a lot of these guys. Haven't seen enough out of them. Don't know what yep. he brings to the table. You know, a lot of maybe we'll get to see some of it in the spring, but um, on Cody Jones, I'm not sure. I, I just I'm not sure. Well, I'm going to have you hit the play, play it again one more time with this last guy. And then the, the final we'll two that we will talk about again. the final two that we will talk about, I think we'll be able to offer up a little bit more. Uh, Miles Pollard, number 24, long six, one, one ninety one, built a little bit more like Will Johnson can really run is viewed more of a, as a raw prospect. Wasn't super, super heavily recruited coming out of Tennessee. I think the same high school as junior Colson, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but longer again, six, one, one ninety one kind of has that look of like a lockdown outside corner. But again, Chris, if you'd like to take the, take the floor here, uh, I'm going to give you the same answer. Uh, haven't, haven't seen, seen enough of it. Um, and, and I think again, what we're saying, it just, it speaks to the lack the lack of depth at that position. Yeah. A lot of these guys are unknown. A lot of them came in from high school, highly rated, a lot of excitement. Like I remember Keon said when Michigan, was landed the big one. Right. I was very, very excited about that. Just didn't get a lot of run. And so, you know, we'll have to wait and see in the spring and see how some of this shakes out. Okay. Omarion Walker, number four. Oh, six, actually, four. 
actually threw on the number one jersey and played some corner early in the year when Jaden yep. Burroughs was out with injury and Michigan was beating up on their, you know, their their non-conference schedule and they were just trying to get a look at some guys. The Marion Walker ended up playing wide receiver, I think almost entirely down the stretch. I don't remember him ever in games, anyways, doing anything else with corner after maybe like week three. But He's got some ability there. There were some teams. I think Notre Dame was one. There were multiple teams in the country recruiting that dude as a DB. Was it, you know, is it a safety? Is it corner? But yeah, you mentioned it, dude. Six foot four. I'm going to try to get the weight that he's listed. He's probably bigger than that now, if I had to guess. But six foot four, 180. So he's, he's lean, but the potential, the athleticism, he's, you know, he was labeled as a freak by Jim Harbaugh and spring ball can jump out of the gym. And I've seen, I've seen Will Johnson putting on for him a little bit in the past. Yeah. So like that, you, you can get a little bit excited about that, but there's a ton of intrigue with a dude like that. There is a lot of intrigue, but I saw somebody, and I've talked to you a little bit about this. I saw somebody mention it in the comments where I'm at with this position is I feel like you got to go to the portal and you got to get somebody yeah. Somebody with some experience, somebody with some starts under their belt, somebody who's done it for a little while. You know, they might have something there. You know, and we talked about this as well. Like, if they felt like Jamon Green was a serious need, like you would, you would have had the coaches saying, like, "Look, man, we need you for another year. We we absolutely got to have you." And I'm not so sure that that conversation took place. And so maybe the intention is to get something out of the portal. Maybe they know they've got something, and one of the guys already on the roster, and they're going to be good. I'm not sure, but to me, it feels like at this point, given how, given the lack of depth at that position, that the best move is probably go get somebody, you know, who's a veteran out of the transfer portal. I don't know who's available at this moment in time, but shit, if you're the University of Michigan, should be an attractive landing place if you're, you know, a veteran corner that's in the portal and looking for a new home. Yeah. And you can sell the idea of, oh, by the way, you can play opposite Will Johnson. Maybe you heard of right. him and we're probably going to go 10 and 0, 11 and 0, 12 and 0 again. And outside of this position, outside of this position of need, you know, right here, we're, we're, we're stacked all over the field. I mean, that, that defense is going to be, you know, and, and we'll have plenty of time to talk about it in the coming days, weeks and months, but that defense is just, once again, I think they're going to be incredible. One of the top defenses in the country, um, if you can get this position figured out, if you can get that other corner spot locked down, I mean, look out. Yeah. And and then that's top and, five defense in my mind, no doubt about it. And then last but not least, this is where you could potentially get a little either addition by addition or, or you accidentally make your defense a little worse, which I know nobody wants to do. Dude, agent zero. Mike Sainer still showed yeah. so much as a cover man, as a defender, as a tackler, as a cornerback. I would, here's the deal. I would feel totally fine putting Mike Sainer still at corner opposite Will Johnson and letting him be the guy. But then you're, you're pulling him away from where he was it, it, phenomenal. So yeah. then is he as effective at true cornerback as he was at nickel? And then you put somebody in at nickel who I would, I would bet a lot of money won't be as good as Mike Sainer still was there. So do you leave Mike Sainer still at nickel? and try to fill that corner spot with somebody else? Or do you put Mike Sainer still at corner because you know he can do it and try to fill the nickel spot with somebody who's probably not going to be as good as he is? Like, that's that's where you've got something to, to figure out. I, I'm leaving him where he is. I'm leaving him right where he yeah. is. 
He did just fine there, making a name for himself. And again, the transition, and I know he played, you know, defense in high school, but you know, to make that transition at the point in his career that he did and be as good as he was, I just think is is remarkable. And I don't want to move him out of that position because he plays it really well. And I think his NFL uh, draft stock is going to go up considerably this next year. So again, I think you you keep Mike Sainer still where he's at. And whether or not it's McBurrows, whether or not it's Marion Walker, whether or not it's some of those other guys that are unproven that that could potentially fill that role, or you go to the transfer portal and you get somebody who's got some experience under their belt, that's really the only position on, on the defense that I have a little bit of concern about. But even if they go to the guys, even if it is McBurrows over there, I'm not really all that concerned. I just I feel like they've got it going enough at this point to where whoever that person is, they'll be all right. I saw a couple good friends of the show. C.J. Frazier with a good point. My buddy Dan Genro earlier with a good point. C.J. just said, I, I'd rather leave Mikey where he's at. He killed it there. He does everything yeah. at that position perfectly. Little more, little less experience maybe at boundary corner, and you can get some help with the safeties over the top. You've got really veteran guys there now who can help out. Mikey can help. I mean, like that, that to me seems to be what would ruffle feathers the least. So I think leaving, I think leaving Mike Sainer still at nickel is the, is the smart approach. But dude, if, <laughs> what if he is as good at corner as he was at nickel? And now you've got two lockdown corners out there. That's Put it this make- way: if, if they needed him to step into that role, I don't. I, I I think he would flourish. I think he would play well. The problem is he's just so good at where he's at that I wouldn't want to take him out of it. Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough thing to to think about. I, on the flip side, you put an inexperienced guy over there at corner. That dude's getting thrown at because they're not going at Will Johnson. Mikey's got the nickel stuff on lock. The safeties are really good wherever they're at. I like both of those points. So this is where this is where this is a great discussion about what Michigan's defense is going to look like, because I think that other cornerback spot opposite Will Johnson is, is, is big. I think it's a big point. But Here's, here's another luxury that Michigan has. Okay. Week one, the first four games are at home. Week one, East Carolina, week two, UNLV week three, Bowling Green, and then week four Rutgers. You've got some time not just during fall camp, but you've got some time during the season to figure out who that other guy is going to be, where if you're getting burned a couple of times, it's not going to kill you overall with some of these teams. So they can get it sorted out in the first four weeks. There's no can, doubt I be a, can I be a dick for a second? Go ahead. We know this staff loves using the first four weeks to figure stuff <laughs> out. Dude, they love it. They love doing that, right? Use the I first four weeks. I had to, because we only said it for eight weeks. <laughs> right, <laughs> they wouldn't do it on offense. Are they going to do it on? You can do whatever you want to do in the first. Yeah, I know, I know. No, the defense is going to be really good. They're two and three deep across every position up front. The linebackers, there's probably too many of them to play. The safeties, there's probably too many of them to play. And Will Johnson is not coming off the field. You've got one spot on the right. entire defense that you got to kind of figure out. That's it. Yep. That's not a bad place to be. Out. That's that's where I'm at. Is I have confidence that they're going to figure it out. Whether I saw or not this a guy on roster, whether or not it's transfer report, they'll figure it out. I saw this, Robert Richards. It's a great point. I trust Minner to do anything. Whatever, yeah. whatever needs to be solved and figured out, Minner's got it. I, yep. I don't doubt that for a second. So I think that that's a that's an incredible place to be in January when you already pretty much know who's starting on your defense across the board. 
And yeah. offense isn't that much different. And that's where we're gonna we're gonna kind of finish up our our show show. And then I'm gonna give you the floor a little bit for this Mozzie Smith interview that you you worked on and kind of preview that a little bit because it's it looks like it's gonna be incredible. I mean, yeah. you only spent. You only got two hours of footage with him. I mean, shit. What can what could you possibly have? When we got done and I looked at it, I was like, did we really just sit here and talk for an hour and 45 minutes? I feel yeah. bad. I felt like I should have had like a timer going, but you know, that's that's how things Mozzie's go. Mozzie's like, I'm hungry again. Can I get another meal? I've been here for all, all day. I was, no, but- I was drinking beer. I was eating pulled pork, uh, <laughs> mac and cheese. So, you know, I was in my element. Mozzie seemed to be enjoying his food. It, it was just a good time, man. And he was... You know, the I think it was the next day, either on Monday or Tuesday, he was headed out to uh, to Arizona to start training, getting ready for the NFL. And so it was his last interview um, in Ann Arbor before he departed. And I think it was just it was fun to have that time with him, man, and be able to sit and talk about those things. But we'll get to it later. We will finish the show with that. That will be our final our final talking point. But I'm writing another article on this. You came out of the gates with an offensive line article today, so I decided to ship probably just till tomorrow. I'll probably put yeah. it out tomorrow, maybe maybe Friday, whatever, whatever day it ends up being. But, dude, this offensive line, and I reached out to a couple people that are a little older than me and that have a little better memory when it comes to, like, the depth of the O-line. People have covered the team for longer than I have, just kind of going back. Because Michigan's always been known as a very strong offensive line program. A couple first overall picks, some, you know, All-American guys, the 77 jersey. I mean, like, it's part of the fabric of the program. I'm going to say this. Michigan has never had a better offensive line than they will have in 2023. When it comes to depth at every spot, returning experience, potential. Am I, am I hearing music? What am I? I don't know what that is. I don't know what's happening. Anyway, I hope, I hope nobody else is hearing that, but I'm hearing <laughs> something in the background of whatever's All right. going on. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else hears no. it or not. Maybe I'm losing my mind. <laughs> what I was saying. Like, okay, they lose a guy like Olu, who was the Remington Award winner and the best best center in the country, and they're potentially going to replace him with another really good guy. We're going to get into that. But this offensive line, dude, goes 13 deep. 13! And 11 of them have started games. Are you? Is it something on your phone? Maybe that's being picked up. I swear to God, I hear something, and somebody else says they hear something. Yes, it sounds like a dial-up internet connection. It's like I don't hear anything. Let me let me let me mute something and come back. No, you're still muted. You're still muted. <laughs> Brandon has muted himself and now he can't unmute himself. There you go. There you go. Jesus Christ. Well, we're just going to go ahead with the dial up in the background and we'll, we'll just continue roll with it. <laughs> Is my fax machine running? Am I getting right. <laughs> important facts here from Ward Manuel telling me to shut it down? No, no. Ward Manuel doesn't send faxes. He doesn't even. We it's don't even. We don't know what he's doing. It's Matt Weiss hacking into my mainframe. Oh that's, my god, that's a great. Matt Weiss, All right, please just leave us alone. Let us so, do our show here. There's a couple so of this, dinks in our basement. This offensive line, I have thirteen bodies that I I legitimately think could play. Now there's three who haven't really played. But if Michigan didn't go out and get a Drake, all right, let, let's do two of them that are, we just don't need to talk about that much. Left guard, sure. right guard. Trevor yep. Keegan, back. Zach Zinner, back. Th- that's it. They're, they're that's in. It. Like, that's There's your no starting doubt. left guard, starting right guard. All right, good. We're cool with them. 
backing up Trevor Keegan, and I, I think probably backing up Zinner, I, I would assume he can play both sides. Giovanni El Hadi, who started yep. multiple games while Keegan was injured, and Keegan bumped out to left tackle for one game, so El Hadi came in there. Like, you're set at guard. Like, you are set at guard with future NFL guys. At center, Chris, I think you and I are both on the same page. Be pretty surprised if it's not Drake Nugent starting. Is that fair for you? Yeah, I mean, he's got 24 starts under his belt. He was on the Remington uh, watch list as well. And actually, the, the the article I had put out, Pro Football Focus College had graded him higher than Olu in 2022, and Olu actually took home the award. And so, yeah, I, I know they've got some guys who have been there, uh, Raheem Anderson, Greg Crippen. They, they have guys who, who are ready to step into, I think, a starting role. But at the end of the day, when you bring in a guy like that, it just feels like that's your starting center. I, so you put a guy like that, a smart dude with a lot of starts from Stanford, played some ball, and you, you sandwich him with two potential all Big Ten, maybe all American guards. Yeah. He's going to be good. Like that's I don't think he's all offensive line. It that's, is. That's what it is. He's not quite as physically gifted as Olu, but I think, you know, mentally he's going to be right there. Experience-wise, he's pretty close and he's going to have the benefit of having senior just absolute studs at guard on both sides of him. So I think your yeah. I think your guard center guard battery is set. I think it's Keegan, Nugent, Zinner, yeah. let's let's plow some roads. Now, you get out to the tackle spots, and you've got it's six guys, yeah. six guys who I think you could you could put in a variety of those locations and and be really, really good. It's the two transfers, right? Is that where you're leaning? I find, look, I like Carson Barnhart and Trente Jones both a lot. I really like a six foot seven, 330 pound miles hitting at right tackle, <laughs> like a lot. A lot. It's tough. It's tough to move. Like they're gonna battle, and yeah. Barnhart and Trente have the have the advantage of being veterans in the program. It's hard to deal with a former five star that goes six seven three twenty five. Hard to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, we you know we we were talking about this earlier today, and I had you know I had Barnhart penciled in um, because he got good run there, especially when Trente Jones went down. You know, I don't know if he's got what six, seven, maybe eight starts under his belt at this point, but he got a lot of playing time. But you're right, man. When you bring a guy in of that size, <laughs> like it's just you know, and and he was a five star for a reason. He's going to take up a lot of space. Um, it's a this is a good problem to have for Michigan. Whoever it is they have at that spot, I think is going to you know be. What? Go ahead. Where are you going? Fourteen guys. Fourteen. Okay, you're at another. I'm because I'm going to throw in a third year Tristan Bounds at six eight three fifteen. Who might Tristan be able to get a look somewhere. That dude is hungry. He hasn't played. That dude is hungry. He hasn't played. Okay. All right. Maybe maybe it's not a six foot seven three hundred twenty five pound Miles Hinton. Maybe it's a six foot seven, three hundred and twelve pound Andrew Gentry, who's by the way go. just been back there biding his time, coming back from his mission, and he's got like five years of eligibility remaining <laughs> at Michigan. All right, or ah, shit, I don't like any of these six seven, three hundred and twenty pounders. Let's just run it back with two parts of the Joe Moore Award winning group in Carson yeah. Barnhart and Trent A. Jones. Cool, can we go. do that? Yeah. yeah. All right, let's throw it over to the left tackle side. Ladarius Henderson, anybody? 
Another six foot seven or six foot six. I'm gonna look up what he's listed at. Uh, coming from Arizona State, and he's played guard. He's played tackle. He looks like a potential like future NFL kind of guy. I mean, body wise, build wise, dude's a pro. Six five three ten. All right, six five three ten. Maybe at your left tackle spot over there, Ladarius Henderson, or let me get his measurements because I know it's impressive. Maybe a six foot eight, three hundred and ten pound Jeff Percy, who stepped in and played left tackle for Ryan Hayes a couple times. Like, yeah, options, dude. I don't know who's going to start on those in those tackle spots because you literally have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven bodies that if you just threw a dart and said they're starting, they're starting, I'd be like, let's get it. And let's hand it off to Blake Corman, Donovan Edwards, and watch them go. I was just gonna say, man, I'm, it, it's hard. Not to be um, very, very, very excited about the potential of this offense when you run through the list of potential, you know, options at the offensive line. You've got JJ McCarthy coming back, who's now got a year of starting experience under his belt. You've got Blake Corum, who was a Heisman candidate for a majority of the year. You've got Donovan Edwards, who's a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. You've got Roman Wilson, guys like Darius Clemens, Cornelius Johnson coming back. This offense, top to bottom. I mean, you know, you you were giving me shit. It wasn't all that long ago. Oh, I talked to you about this. We like we're going to look at the schedule at some point in time here in the near future. Yeah. And what are we going to predict? What are we going to predict, Brandon? The regular season. 12, Twelve and zero. Twelve and zero. That's where this program is at right now. And I feel like I feel like the offense is going to be even better in twenty twenty three than it was in twenty twenty two. And that's. You know, when you've got an offensive line that's won the Joe Moore Award two years in a row, it looks like they're going to win it for a third year in a row if everything goes the way it should go, given the depth and, and talent that they have returning. It's just, it's, it's incredible where this program is right now. Let me ask you this, Chris. Here's another example of a, a, a like the Mike Sainer still thing. Incredible at nickel, so it makes you not want to move him, even though he might be really good at corner, might be the best option on the team right now to play the other corner spot. But do you want to? Do you want to rock the boat and move him off a of nickel? Both you and I said no. Leave him at nickel. Figure out the other corner. That's that that makes the most sense. All right. Let me let me give you a proposition, Chris, because the young man has repped there before, and there was discussion about it. Do you take a Zach Zinter and put him at center, and bring in that Ladarius Henderson who's got twenty or thirty starts at guard, and let him play his natural guard position, and then figure out the tackles from there? No, or is it just so easy to put Nugent in at center? It's too easy to put Nugent right there at center yeah. again. Graded out higher than Olu, according to Pro Football Focus, was on the Remington Ward watch list. I think he's a guy that can step in. I will he do as good of a job? I don't know, but I think he's going to be right there uh, with what Olu was able to do. And then again, you just named off all the guys they have at the other positions up front there. Yeah, I don't think you move Zach Zinner. I think Zinner and Keegan are where they are, and that's where they're going to stay. Um, I'm trying to pull this up real quick. And I know it's not always about like the measurables, but like you start thinking about six, eight, three, 15, six, six, three, 10. Like it, it just starts to feel it's a big man. Pretty good. So <laughs> Olu, Olu with Timmy is six foot three, three Oh seven. Yep. Drake Nugent is six, one, 300. Does that, I mean, do you care? Does that even no. matter? No, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, not, center, not necessarily at that position. Yes, yeah, center is a place where you can get away with, eh, he's a little sawed off, man. His arms are a little short. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. If, is he smart? Can he make calls? Can he get guys lined up in the right spot? 
and can he hold down? Can he not get who was the guy a handful of years ago that was just too damn small to play center at Michigan, but he did it and he did it as well as he possibly was it um was it Molk? And then he actually had a cup of coffee in the NFL. Jack Miller, I think, was another one. There's been <laughs> some guys. You you can't have a guy get physically dominated at center. And as long as Nugent's big enough to not get dominated where the pocket is getting crushed repeatedly, you're good. Like uh, you don't need you don't need that guy to be your best offensive lineman. I think you need him to be your smartest offensive lineman. I think he is that. You're yeah. talking about a guy from Stanford who has started a bunch of games. He's not a dummy. So he's gonna be he's gonna be good in that spot. All right. So this is what we're gonna do, Chris. I'm gonna mark this down. It is January 18th, Chris. What is Michigan's starting offensive line going into 2023? Now, injuries aside, outstanding circumstances aside, like if you're going with your top five, left tackle to right tackle, who you got? Well, I think you're going with Nugent at center. Then you've got right. Keegan in center. Yep. Those are locked in. I feel I feel like anybody right. who says anything different there is is just out trying to outthink the room. And then uh, I'm going to go with Hinton just because of sheer size and value. Okay. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like that might be a shoe in even though I feel like Carson Barnhart, like I said, he's going to give him a run for his money. He's going to be right there. And then on the other side, I don't know, man. Jeff Percy, I mean, again, you talk about size, you talk about a guy who's got, you know what? I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go too, you know, I'm not just going to be picking easy apples off the tree. Give me Percy. Give me Percy to take over at that position there. Give me a wild card there. Who do you got? Is that who you circled? You Percy. Love it. Line them up. Give me big bodies up front. That's what I want. Give me 6'8", 320 by the time he rolls out there next year because he's listed at 310 right now. Give me 6'8", 310-pound Jeff Percy out of go. Mission Viejo, California. Big time program out there, Jay Sarah Catholic. Look, dude, this line, whole line. <laughs> that means let me let me break it down for you real quick. That means that big ass Ladarius Henderson, who's 6'5, 315, who transferred in from Arizona State, is pine. He's pined yep. right yep. now. That means that Trente Jones and Carson Barnhart, who split starts last year on the Joe Moore award winning offensive line, are now riding pine. Are you yep. okay with that? It's crazy, dude. That's the, an unfair the, question. That's an unfair the, question. The embarrassment of riches along the offensive line right, right. now for Strong. There's Morris only is, so is many spots. There's only so many spots, but I want big, beefy dudes up front. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> 118. One eight one hundred. We don't even use the board anymore. I'm getting that as soon as we're done. I just want big guys up front. That's what I want. And it seems like you know, Percy and Hinton seem to fit the mold better than, you know, anybody else that you listed off. But again, with, with the amount of depth, I, I'm not going to be surprised if it's Barnhart trotting out there week one. I'm not going to be surprised if it's, you know, any of these other guys that we named off. It just seems like it is an embarrassment of riches at, 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 on the offensive line. And everything starts and begins there for, for this football program offensively, especially with the way that they want to run the ball and control the line of scrimmage. And so, they're just positioned well, man. They're positioned well to make it three in a row. And I am, somebody said it in the comments and I agree, like do not take this time for granted 
Because even the even like the top elite programs, like you don't you don't stay there forever. You don't get to experience this. And you know, this run of it's almost like we talked about it before, like it's almost like Michigan didn't beat Ohio State and didn't win a Big Ten championship because everybody's pissed off about what happened against TCU in the college football playoff. Like this program, it's a golden era right now for guys like us who have who have suffered for decades. I'm I'm not gonna lie. A couple points here. Great, Rob, love it. Big beefy dudes up front shirts probably would yes. sell a handful of them. I'll I'll talk about <laughs> it with my business partners. Uh, so we'll look into that. Andrew, I had this thought. Okay. However many years ago it's been now, Rich Rodriguez invented a new form of offense by accident called the zone read, right? I don't know if you've ever heard this story, Chris, but legend has it that in a practice, I think it was when he was at West Virginia, or it might even been before that when he was at Tulane, he was the offense. I think it was when he was the offensive coordinator at Tulane. They were running plays in practice, and they had a mobile quarterback, and it was a big part of their game. They did you know a lot of, a lot of quarterback run, and they went to do a simple handoff, and it kind of like got botched and the the running back was like trying to get it. And then he didn't get it. And he just kept running and the quarterback just kind of had it. And he ran out the other side and there was nobody to be found because the defense crashed down on the running back and they had never seen it before. And like, thus the zone read keeper was born. Yeah. So I don't know how many years ago this was. This isn't like 19. This is like Newt Rockney shit. This was like, we were, you know, we were probably in high school at this point. Football does evolve. All right. Is Jim Harbaugh inventing the permanent seven-man line where you just trot out like 6,000 pounds of humanoid and you just run the ball behind? Like he already doesn't ever play a play without a tight end on the field. Usually it's two. Multiple, now, right? now we're going to have like left-left tackle, left tackle, left guard center, like just seven offensive linemen out there on every play. Both Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum in the backfield with J.J. McCarthy. Wide receivers, we'll see you later. We don't need you anymore. Just again, bully your way through the entire season, and then see what happens in the in the college football playoff. It feels like Michigan can absolutely do that, and it's not the right. sexiest brand of offense. But I do understand that this is like the wing T or the Veer, like. But I, I'm I'm thinking more of like thirty two here. Yeah, like it, just a different vibe because you've got zone read mixed in there with play action. Like, I don't know. Bottom line is this, Chris. At left tackle and right tackle, you have these dudes to choose from. Ladarius Henderson, Jeff Percy, Miles Hinton, Trente Jones, Carson Barnhart, Zach Gentry. I'm sorry. Zach Gentry played tight end for Michigan. Andrew Gentry. Andrew Gentry, yes. And Tristan Bounds. All of them solid are large. I mean, like Barnhart and Trente are the ones who have played and they're like the least physically imposing of the group, Yeah, which is crazy to me. I'm not a big O-line guy. Like when I watch the football, when I watch football on TV, like I don't watch the O-line. I, I really don't like hardly ever. I like going back and watching it again. And you seen guys really dominate sometimes. I'm so excited for this offensive line and what Schroeder is going to do with it. Yeah, I think like we've talked about it. I think both yeah. you and I have evolved in, you know, and and part of it is because we really have no choice, right? Because well, whatever, <laughs> yeah, it's either spend you know the first seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve weeks complaining that they're you know they're not throwing <laughs> the ball enough, or you just accept the fact that this is what 
the brand of Michigan football is going to be. And you're right. They bring in these guys on the offensive line and I am more excited to see, you know, yes, it starts up front, but just Michigan's rushing attack overall. We know they're going to run the shit out of the ball at least the first four or five weeks. So I'm excited to see what it looks like, man, because if it, they were blowing people off the ball last year and it feels like they're going to be even better. And then you've got a guy like Sharon Moore leading the way. Yeah. You know he's going to coach him up. Phenomenal coach. The guys love playing for him. Just feels like they have got everything working on that side of the ball. I mean, I it's crazy, but I think you could say like if they brought in zero transfers on the O line, they'd still be really good. Be Just right. fine. Yeah. Just fine. But then you throw in, dude. So honestly, no, the only position I would be, I, I would be a little bit unsure. A of. little is it bit. Is it Raheem Anderson? Who you know? Who are you going to have there at center? There would be some uncertainty, but I think having those guards there like puts a lot of that at ease, Correct. like a lot. Yeah. There's a really good chance that you you start the you start your all star guards that just decided to return and the three transfers and have the best line in college football. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt, and that's why I put out that article that it just it feels like, once again, Michigan is going to have the best offensive line in the country, and you're going to have healthy Blake Corum, healthy Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy with a full year of experience under his belt, wide receivers with a ton of experience, and you know the least experience that's probably going to be in the mix is Darius Clements, who looks like he could be the best out of the whole bunch yeah, in terms just- of physical ability, so... I'm, I am excited for this Michigan offense. I know it's going to be smash mouth. I know that the brand of football is going to be the same, but I just feel like it's going to be even better than it was in 2022. Yeah, I'm trying to see. So Ladarius Henderson in 2021, they don't have his 2022 season listed. I wonder if I could find that somewhere. But in 2021, he started 13 games at left guard. I yeah. think last year he started to sprinkle in the tackle stuff, but also continued to play at guard. Anyway, it's it's a phenomenal crop of talent. Not only talent, but experienced talent. 11, let me see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 9. I think 9 of them have started significant, not, not, not just like one off. Like Percy has the one start. El Hadi's got a couple handful. And then everybody else has du- double digit starts up front. Yeah. Yeah. It's an incredible Loading. group, man. Incredible group. All right. Last but not least, Chris, the floor is yours. You had a chance to sit down with one Mozzie Smith. We already teased it a little bit for damn near two. He was there for longer than two hours, but you have almost two hours of recorded content with Mozzie, which again, I mean, I was hanging out for a little bit, but then I realized that I was just like a weird person in the background that Mozzie kept inadvertently (laughs) making eye contact with. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to just, I'm going to go. So I went out and did a little bit of work, and then the Michigan basketball game started. So I was busy. I was good. I was eating, drinking diesel. You know, I was good. But you were back there getting it in with, you know, getting just phenomenal content from Mozzie for a long time. I mean, we we talked about everything. We talked about football. We talked about life. We talked about, you know, kind of his his experiences as a kid and growing up in Grand Rapids and, you know – his his early experience at Michigan. I mean, the dude was like this close to transferring his freshman year. Like, t- talked about some conversations that he had um, directly with Jim Harbaugh. He shared a, a really funny interaction that he had with Cade McNamara and, and the way that he described that interaction and how he describes Cade McNamara. I just thought it was hilarious. 
Um, but there's so much good stuff in that interview. It is taking, believe it or not, it takes, well, Brandon, you know, it's, it's taking a considerable amount of time to chop this up and get it right. Because you, you know, there's, we had like what, four or five different cameras well, on us, each camera I, recording an hour and 45 minutes worth of footage. I wanted to say this. We have now learned, I mean, we knew it, we knew it, but we have now yeah. learned that rich, he, he, he spares no expense. He cuts None. no corners. He, yeah. if he's going to do it, he's going to do it to the point where you're like, you're involved in it. Like you want it to be amazing. You want it to be the best ever. And you almost find yourself being like, Rich, like, really? Do we really need all this shit? Like, really? Yeah, no, I don't even know what the, was, the, the thing is where you, you know, you, you, you clink it or you chop it or whatever. You Ozzie know, Smith, that, take one. Take yeah. One. Your, your little marker. And the, dude, he had that. He had the big lighting, like umbrella huge, deals, huge umbrella lights overhead. Incredible. Five cameras, a moving camera, stationary cameras. I mean, so that's the thing. Like the the quality of interview, just from what Rich from Mediascapes, the microphone, the, audio, like all the, that yeah, shit too. The, the, everything, the, the mic, everything. I mean, it was we did it top notch. And for Mozzie to come in and and to sit and talk and, and and give that much time and and to be that open about you know pretty much everything. I mean, we talked about. Like I said, we talked about you know the 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 time where he felt like he was he was almost going to transfer from Michigan and some of the some of the issues he had um, when he first got to to the university and then kind of his growth over over four years and where he got to where he was now and you know we talked about the NFL we talked about you know teams that he was interested I mean we just we talked about everything and I think it's going to be you know once I'm able to get it out I think people are going to really enjoy. Um, the product. And that's, that's something that I want to continue to bring to uh, the winged helmet community that I think is just going to be something that sets us apart where, you know, it's more of a, a relaxed type of environment and it's a, it's a shoot the shit sit. And hit. I mean, we were both eating food. I was drinking a little bit, asking him a ton of questions just about life and, and different things. And um, he's just a great guy to talk to, man. He's like, he's when you see him, like if you don't know Mozzie Smith, and you see him walking towards you, you're like, it's intimidating. He's a big dude. He's imposing, like physically imposing. And then you sit and you talk to him, and he is soft-spoken, very thoughtful in what he says, um, and is just a great representation of, I think, everything you want a, as a fan a, out of a Michigan football player and the way he presents himself and represents the university. And so I was honored to be able to spend that time with him and uh, again, I'm just I'm excited to share the interview. It's just taking a little bit longer than I thought to chop it all up, but I want to make sure I get it right. So the hope is that I drop it Friday. My plan was Tuesday, and then I got into it, and I was like, one of the upload times was like 17 hours on my laptop. I was like, all right, cool. So my laptop's going to chill over there in the corner for like a day. So <laughs> that's wow. the kind of time we're talking about. I just don't have the equipment to uh, to turn it around as fast as I would like. But I will say this. Mozzie was the first of this type of interview that I plan on doing, but he is definitely not going to be the last. We've already got some other ones lined up, so I'm excited, man. Yeah, it should be good stuff. And again, like, you know, Rich's equipment, he had like baller ass cameras. So we were talking an hour and 45 minutes of like 4K yeah. high quality, like the best of the best. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not uploading a thirty minute, a thirty second video to Twitter. Like it, it's going to take a little time. Chris called me. He's like, "Dude, I don't know what to do. I, I like the, the, you know, the big, the big fat SD cards to like the not the regular ones. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, so, hey, he's a creative writing major. He likes, you know, he 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 plays and builds Legos a lot. You know what I mean? And there's just he writes, he writes music. He there's so much more to Mozzie Smith than than what you see on Saturdays. It's Mozzie said. 
he literally will like get down and lay on the floor on his stomach with like his feet yeah. like a six-year-old building Legos <laughs> for like eight hours. Like just the thought, like you see him. Like, no, no, you no, you don't. No, no you don't. But he's There's like, yeah, no way. I do. I do do that. And yeah. uh yeah. yeah, like I said, I didn't hear I I'm I'm excited because like I said, I was standing so Rich had the camera set up where they were, so there were only a few places back there where you could go where you wouldn't yeah. be shot. And one of the places was behind Chris. And so Mosby would be talking and he would just look at me and I'm like, damn it, dude. Like I don't want I don't want to be a focal point back here. So my point is I heard like 10 minutes of it, like the whole thing. Yeah. I wasn't really back there for, so I'm excited for it too. A really cool experience. Huge, huge shout out to Wolverine State Brewing Company for letting us use the Gulo Gulo room. Huge shout out to Rich from Mediascapes for all of the equipment and making it happen. Huge yeah. shout out to Chris for setting it up and conducting what was a long ass interview. And then long interview. I mean, TCU. He watched, you know, he watched film on the national championship game. I and mean, we, we, you know, we talked stuff that wasn't football related, but we talked a lot of football related things as well. Just, I think, you know, things as we were sitting there as fans watching Georgia and TCU, like I asked him that, like, what's going through your mind? I mean, you know, like all of these things that, that you would want to hear from somebody in his position. Um, again, lengthy interview, taking a lot of time to cut it up, but I think it's going to be worth it. Well worth it once I'm able to get it out. And and the biggest shout out of all to Mozzie for giving that kind of time when he was about to get ready to leave and, you know, prepare. Really good dude. yeah, the the biggest next six to eight months or year of his entire life as a football player. So just <laughs> we spent days. He sent me he sent me a text because I told him I wanted to do this and I talked to him about it a few weeks back, and um, he was like, "Yeah, he's like I'm I'm down or whatever." And so I said, "Well, what's your schedule look like over the next couple of weeks?" And he said, "He, he said, well, we got to make it happen like soon." He's like, "I'm leaving on Tuesday." to go train. And I read it as I'm leaving Tuesday on a train. And so, <laughs> so Brandon and I spent a couple days like trying to figure out like, what the fuck is Mozzie? Where is he taking a train to? Like, what is, what's happening? Why is Mozzie? It's like, Oh, well, he's too, he's too big for the airplane. That's what it is. And then it turns out I just read. So when he got there, I asked him, I'm like, so dude, why are you, why are you taking a train to wherever you go? Like, do you need a ride? What's the deal? <laughs> This is my first time hearing this. We we had like a 10-minute conversation about why Mozzie was taking a train somewhere. Oh, you didn't know that's what it was? No, this is the first oh, time yeah. you told me this. Yeah, so I misinterpreted. He said, I'm leaving to go train. And I had read it as, I'm leaving on a train on Tuesday. Hail so wine, like, anybody? Can I get anybody a big, tall glass of hail wine? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I was very consumed. Like I couldn't get it out of my head. Why is he taking a train? Like where where would you need to take a train to that you can't fly to? Let's hop on the train, pour some tall glasses of hail wine, kick back with Louis Anderson, just just get after it out here, dude. Just getting oh, it in. Dude. It all made sense to me. He's probably renting out the box car. He doesn't like people touching him. He wants all that space. Like <laughs> Dude, we had we had, we had four conversations about Mozzie being like too big for an airplane standard yeah. seat. Maybe yep. he didn't want to bone up for the first class. He's taking trade, dude. No problem. No problem. Uh, it is true. We never we never did uh, out at the college football playoff. We never went through our forty. You know what I mean? We were supposed to go through the. You know, the, the whole backpedal thing, turn your hips and whatever. You know, we, we never went through that. 
we got time to get right here during yeah. the off season. Well, it ended up being a little more abbreviated trip for you, and then the weather was shit. And like, I don't. Know. And I was sick as shit. I mean, let's not forget that. I, I base, I had no voice whatsoever. Oh boy, what a show! Hour and thirty-four, dude. Woo! It happens. I guess that's what you get when it's once a week. So there you go. Absolutely. There you go. Hopefully, you guys all enjoyed it. We'll be back a week from today, unless there's a reason that we absolutely have to get on again. We will see you on Wednesday night. Take care.